The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of March. Ira Bell, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, Tristan Pantorado, Wilshire, White Wind Wolf L, Kara Link, and Marty Thompson. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I have a question for you. We're entering into March now, actually, at the time that this episode goes live. March will be here, and we're going back to some real in-person concerts this month. You and I have at least two lined up. I have a question for you, though, when it comes to concerts. Uh, Would you ever see a band that you like play only covers? Yes. Yes, I would. Uh, And I know know you're you're not talking about a cover band. You're talking about, you know, a band that I I enjoy, that I listen to, just doing a show Mm -hmm. where they just cover... Uh, not necessarily another band, right? It's just like a bunch of covers. Cause I wouldn't see like Weezer cover, I don't know, some mm. like Van Halen or something. I don't know. Like I wouldn't want that. I would want just a variety of covers. Yes, exactly. Like they're only playing covers. Like I think of like when we saw Spanish love songs, play a Phoebe Bridgers cover, sure. something like that. Yeah. Well, so for me personally, what I always say is my rule of thumb for opening bands is I think every opening band should have at least one cover song in their repertoire. Definitely. Because if you're an opener, you know, people aren't there to see you for the most part. <laughs> I, I know you've seen openers and then left. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, but you know, you want to try and win over the crowd with a, a cool cover. I saw a band uh, a long time ago, uh, Beach Slang. They're a fun mm-hmm. band. They opened for maybe Jimmy World, I want to say. They okay. did this really funny thing where they kept starting a cover of smooth by rob thomas and santana oh okay and they would like do the first like 10 seconds of it and then they go on to something else and they kept doing that throughout the whole time like that was a a great way to like incorporate you know just just fun energy because yeah you're the opener you're yeah that's people aren't here to see you they're here to see the headliner so you want to do something different with the show but yes i would love to see a band i love do a full cover set Totally, man. Like we're I, we're going to go see the Wonder Years in a few weeks, and my girlfriend is coming as well, and she wants them to play. The lead singer does a cover of a Taylor Swift song, and it's uh, it's like his highest stream song. He covers all too well, and she's like, "Are they going to play that song?" And I was like, "I, I doubt it." But then no. it just got me thinking. Like <laughs> there are definitely people who go to shows hoping to see a famous cover. Like how yeah. many people went to go see Alien Ant Farm in hopes that they would play Smooth Criminal? Well, they do. They have to. It's their. It's their. <laughs> it, it's a good. It's a good cover. It's a good cover. I'll, I'll give them that. But I I remember a show that we went to at the Horseshoe Tavern where you arrived late it was me and dan at the show and we saw this random band play called lush buffalo and one of their opening songs we had never heard of this band before but they played uh and i ran by or i ran <laughs> by seagulls. flock of seagulls and th- dude the whole place erupted <laughs> it was incredible like the waitresses were dancing like everyone was dancing it was so cool and you showed up and i was like man you missed one of the best opening yeah. songs i've ever seen in my life and see like because they were you know an opener mm-hmm. you wouldn't have remembered them if they didn't no. do that cover 
I try to go and see openers whenever I go. Me I too. like I like to be there like when the doors open. Sometimes that's a little too early, but I like to try and see. Because then you get the opener of the opener. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> dude. Sometimes that's rough. Um, but sometimes like you find your new favorite band. Like that's how I discovered yeah. Tiny Moving Parts and Modern Baseball. Like there's a there's a ton of bands in college that I discovered by by showing up early. So we are both voting yes to show up to a band to play only cover uh, songs. So love that. Mike, a bit of a sad week this week, though. Arthur, after 25 years, has aired its last episode. Did you get a chance to check out the very last episode of Arthur? No, I've just seen the memes, Neil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's all you need. Just old Arthur and Buster, you know, looking like YouTubers now. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Arthur definitely streams. There's no chance that he doesn't. He He's actually meant to be a graphic... I, I watched the last episode. He's supposed to be like a graphic novel writer, I think. I believe that that's his job. So he's definitely a streamer. He definitely moonlights <laughs> as a Twitch streamer. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but no, I watched the entire last episode. I might have scrubbed through the last 10 minutes just to get to the finale of the finale. And I can't believe how great the quality of that show held up over the last 25 years. Like, I felt like I was watching, animation aside, I felt like I was watching an episode from the 90s or the early 2000s. That's really cool. I, yeah. I mean, we we gave Arthur a lot of credit on, I forget what episode it was, but we were talking about it for a while. Right. And uh, it's Canadian uh, slash American production too. So, you know, big shout out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like Arthur was a huge part of our childhood. So it's really weird that it's still continued yeah. and now is finally ending. So does that mean like we're ending? Like that's it? <laughs> the millennial, <laughs> that's it for us. The, the sentimental millennial show has now ended. So everyone has to just retire now, pack it all in. Yeah. Uh, but no, like I was watching the episode and like they covered like social issues that kids would experience, like eight-year-old kids would experience. It still respected like children's intelligence and parents who had to watch it with their kids. It didn't go the SpongeBob route where everyone just became over-exaggerations of themselves. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not a huge fan of. Like I was I was enjoying the episode thinking this is just like an episode from the 90s. They even had still had the interstitials where they cut away to a real school and the kids are drawing Art Arthur oh, characters. Cool. Like, I had forgotten about that personally. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, they still do this, but they do. And to top it all off, just to like end off the series, uh, Michael Yarmush, who's the voice, the original voice of Arthur in 1996, is the voice actor for 28-year-old Arthur in the final scene. So he comes back That's awesome. to voice Arthur. That's so That's cool. like the perfect way to end a series that long. Because how do you like close out a 25-year-old cartoon, really? There's no real way, right? No. And I think that's that sounds like the best way. We'll definitely have to check that episode out, Neil, because yeah. um, I did love Arthur back in the day. But something I also love is mm. Dark Souls. And mm. of course, we got a Dark Souls-like game coming out uh, this week, Elden Ring, mm-hmm. which uh, was a collaboration between uh, Dark Souls creator Miyazaki and uh, George R. Mar- Martin, mm-hmm. uh, the fantasy writer of, of Game of Thrones and all that other stuff. George R. R. Martin, was he developing the game? Did he sit in the studio? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just in his house writing, uh, yeah. and uh, while everyone's you know patiently waiting for his next book, he's like, you know what? I'm going to write some code. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to learn coding. I'm going to make him wait. <laughs> even more for the next Game of Thrones book, and oh, I'm man. instead just gonna work on Elden Ring. But uh, my first impressions of it so far are it's good, it's a lot of fun. Uh, okay. I actually find it somewhat less difficult or less more accessible. We'll say, yeah, I, I, I do find it a bit more accessible, yeah. uh, at, at least at the beginning. It's a little bit more forgiving than the beginning of other Dark Souls games, but okay, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, enjoying it so far, of course. I've heard that, that it is like more accessible to non-Dark Souls fans or players like myself who have tried Bloodborne and Dark Souls and just, I got to the first boss of those games and just stopped. Uh, I've heard that this game is a little bit more forgiving for those players. There's a map now, so Ooh, that's, that's pretty, huge. and you can jump. So two things that were never <laughs> in any Souls games before. So. Can, can I hook up my Game Boy Advance to the PS4 to use it as a uh, second screen? 
I want to say yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Thanks. Instant buy then. Perfect. <laughs> Love that. Cool. I can't wait to get your uh, review of the game and how it stacks up next to all of the other uh, Souls-like games that you've played over the years. I also picked up uh, Metroid Dread this week, so I'm enjoying that. Finally Ooh. scooped it up. Going to have to uh, also, I guess, download that patch that you can play the game on simple mode now or whatever. Uh that was oh, in funky the last mode, direct. Right. Fu- funky mode, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the last direct. No, I'm playing on normal mode. I'm going to play the way the game was yeah. intended to be played. I can I can do Metroid. 2D games are my bag. If there's a funky mode in Metroid Prime 4, I'll definitely turn <laughs> that on. Good stuff, good stuff. Mike, before we move on to our remaining opening segments, we do have to address the audience here. We will be inserting advertisements going forward into the podcast, at least for the month of March. We have an opportunity with Manscaped. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have heard of them. They're a male grooming company. They've approached us with uh, a code that we'll be inserting in an ad break at some point in this episode so don't panic we're not completely selling out like a nascar yet we're not going to be stickering the podcast with uh with advertisements it's just going to be a one minute interstitial and then everything will move on from there but if you want to get the show ad free we will be moving the podcast to patreon where we'll put it up there without any advertisements so if you're a patron there uh you're good to go just more value for patrons and speaking of patreon mm-hmm. neil we have a patreon topic from ira bell this month we do, yes. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash cool. We have a $1 and a $5 a month tier. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their name read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic, just like iRebel did. And iRebel says, hey guys, it's my birthday in March on the 1st, and I was wondering if you could answer a question I had for my birthday. Yes, it is going to take a bit of homework to answer, but it will be a simple answer when you answer the question. I think I follow. The question <laughs> is, if you were to add up all the memory blocks on the back of every Every North American released GameCube game, how many blocks would that be? Yes, there are some and that don't have a number on the back, which is true. Uh, so some will have to look up. Boxes that have a range, just add the high number. Sure. Uh, so full disclosure, iRebel sent us this topic a few months ago, I think. So we did have quite a bit of time to go through it. I did most of this on my own, I believe. And You did this. This was you. This I was me. I did not me. do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know if Mike added any notes to the uh, Google Doc that we had going. But uh, I did do this, iRebel, and I believe it took me... Eight to ten hours total. So thank you so much for that opening topic (laughs) over the last few months. It's been fun. But the number that I finally came to, I finished this up just a few days ago. I came to 11,243 blocks on the back. If you check the back of a GameCube case, it says how many blocks the game is. So if you were to add it all up, just over 11,000 blocks. And there is no, like, I think we're the first people to discover this, this number. Because I could not find anything on the internet about saying how many blocks there are on all the GameCube games total. No, and like, full, like again, full disclosure, I did, after iRebel sent us this, try to look that up. To be like, <laughs> yeah. Can I get around this? But there, no, dude, it does not exist. So I had to go through. I uh, Luckily, we have the GameCube uh, anthology book, which actually has the blocks on the back of every case. So there yeah, actually that is that, which definitely did help save me a lot of time. But I still had to look up quite a few games. Yeah, I mean, there would have been games that were like, you know, like she said, that would have had a range as well or just ones that didn't have anything or that the the gamecube anthology book also is not fully complete and has a bit of uh because it, it was a french book that got translated to english mm-hmm. so things are a little messy for some of the stuff but obviously it's a perfect guide to start with Definitely. Yeah, it definitely helped. And like some of the blocks sounded wrong. So I'd have to look those up. Yeah. Like if a game was one, one block, but it's like a sports game, which sports games are surprisingly very high on blocks. I didn't know this because I don't own 
any sports games other than NHL Hits 2002, I believe. Uh, but the biggest game on the Nintendo GameCube, yeah. if you want to know, is MVP Baseball 2005, Mike, with 524 blocks. I own that game. I own that you game. Do. Yeah, and yeah. I the only thing I can think of for that is just because of the, the GM modes and all that kind of stuff. I suppose so, yeah. But that that's crazy because yeah. <laughs> uh, like that – you would need. You must have a special memory card for that because Nintendo released three different memory cards. There's the there's the 59 block, the 251 block, and the 1019 block. That's so the one would, I have. The 1019. Yeah, you would need that that memory card to play MVP 2005. But that game did not come with a memory card, did it? Nope. Nope. Not that I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I nope. do remember we got my parents got the the 1019. Uh, one in white because it's a white official GameCube one. Okay, uh, and that's the yeah the eight megabyte one. Eight megabytes. Oh, hey, oh man, <laughs> huge man. Now games are like five hundred gigs on launch day and yeah. everything. But uh, yeah, I think that I'm pretty close with that tally. Uh, I, there might be a margin of error of a few blocks, but go easy on me. I am but a man, a mere mortal. Um, <laughs> but there are fifty six. I counted fifty six games that take up only one block, and those are mostly movie tie ins and uh, games that are unplayable by today's standards. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that does check out because I remember playing a, quite a few of these games that just had one block of memory, and I was, I was really yeah. interested. But I guess because a lot of it is still on the disc, right? So yep, exactly. I had no idea what that meant back in the day. Like a block, what the hell does that mean? Like I didn't even really know what MB was in the early two thousands. I didn't know what an MB was until I got my iPod Nano. But memory on devices and memory cards is still pretty damn foreign to me. I don't know how anything works. Yeah people save stuff it goes on a little card and you can put it in your gamecube case and take it around to your friend exactly yeah with your handle the memory cards don't have handles though unfortunately no but, but you uh, can put them in the case you know that's, that's nice. true yeah when you traveled with your gamecube did you keep the memory card in the cube or did you put it in a game case no i put it in a game case like a like yeah, yeah. like a sane person you know jeez <laughs> me too me too i'd be horrid horrified of it just snapping off that's you know? yeah i i i'm that i'm still have that fear today when i take my gamecube to places i always take the memory cards out you have to. You have to. But Ira Bill, thank you so much for that opening topic. I really appreciated having basically an extra day of work in the last few months calculating <laughs> blocks. It was a ton of fun, but the total number is 11,243. I'll keep checking back on it every so often to make sure I did get everything correct. But until then, listeners, uh, remember you can support the show on Patreon. And this week, after Mike and I go and see the new Batman movie, we will be putting a spoiler review uh, of the movie up on Patreon for $1 and above supporters. We are going to go see the movie on Friday. So we hope to have that review up by i'll say monday morning that's right yeah it'll be it'll be up the weekend probably yeah. at some point yeah exactly yeah. trying to do more for our supporters over there so uh check out our review i hope it's good i, I hope it's good too i have high hopes three hour movie should be interesting yeah you better be good with three hours but uh until then mike let's move on to one of our favorite opening segments what do you think that's right, Neil. It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be featured in our mailbag segment, you can send us a review of the show. You can correct us on something that we got wrong or just send us some good vibes about a recent episode that you heard. Uh, we would love to read it on the podcast, just like Mike, who wrote into us today. CP Style from Instagram wrote us today, Neil, and they said, hey, guys, sending some GameCube love across the country from Vancouver. Any chance you'll be doing DK Jungle Beat with those crazy bongo controllers anytime oh, yeah. soon? Yeah, yeah. That was one of my faves. Such a weird but weirdly good experience. Keep up the great podcast. Mm. Yeah, we, we will be doing that episode. We haven't covered Jungle Beat or uh, Conga 1 and 2 yet. I own that game, the Jungle Beat and Conga, and I have the bongos. So I, I too, am very excited. I love the bongos. That's one of my favorite GameCube peripherals. 
it's such a uniquely GameCube thing. Yeah. Like everyone, that's one of the, the, when we started this podcast, a lot of people asked me, when are you doing uh, Donkey Konga? When are you doing Jungle <laughs> Beat? And uh, we will be doing, I think we're doing Donkey Konga with a couple other rhythm games for the GameCube. And we were doing that in maybe 15 or 20 episodes. So uh, mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. Yeah, we were hoping to time it along with a Donkey Kong game, but Nintendo haven't made one yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so get on that, Nintendo, and then maybe we'll time Jungle Beat with that. Exactly. And thank you, CP Style, for writing in. What do you think CP stands for? Do you think it's Chris Pratt or... Chris Pine. Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> the Battle of the Chris's. Yes, yes, indeed. We'll have to start a Chris-centered podcast someday. Well, Neil, we do have a Chris-centered here because we're going to talk a little bit about Chris Nolan on this episode. Yes, we will, Mike. And that brings us right to episode 87 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 394 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. And Riddler. And Riddler. And nice enough to help. Yeah, yeah, he's very, he's very good at uh, coding. <laughs> Just like R.R. Martin is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Last week, we talked about Tom Clancy games on the GameCube. If you haven't already, you can go back and check it out. This week, we're covering the remaining Batman games that we have not covered yet on the GameCube to celebrate the release of The Batman, uh, which we have not seen yet. We're hoping it's really good. We're also awaiting the release of Gotham Knights by Warner Bros. Studios. That game should be a ton of fun as well. Uh, so, Mike, before we jump into talking about the GameCube games, let's talk about our favorite DC hero of all time, the Cape Crusader, Batman. Does anyone else have a uh, another favorite DC hero of all time? It's got to be Batman for everybody. You're opening a can of worms I don't want to get into, dude. <laughs> <laughs> other than Martian Manhunter. Of course. <laughs> there's no other DC uh, superhero because obviously Batman is the most iconic other than Superman. But I think Batman has really eclipsed Superman at this point in terms say- of just... Yeah. Uh, media franchises. Uh, I know the Batman franchise. In we always go like to go through our our top selling franchises of all time. Mm-hmm. Where does where does he place on that? Pretty high, I would assume. Fourteenth highest grossing media franchise of all time, mm. sitting at around twenty eight billion, uh, right behind Barbie and just ahead of Dragon Ball. So that's interesting. Yeah, wow. I love I love to see where they all rank. I love like, I always love that too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Batman not quite as popular as Barbie apparently, but no. To answer your question, I would say Superman, Wonder Woman, and Lately, maybe like Aquaman cannot be possibly be anybody's favorite uh, DC character. But yes, right in, right in, tell us. <laughs> I think objectively speaking, Batman is the most popular DC yes. hero of all time. There are definitely some villains that could be considered more popular than Batman, like the the Joker. Batman's mm-hmm. Batman's best villain. None of the other villains would rank anywhere close to to Joker. But uh, yeah, in the Batman universe, there's been 42 video games plus 19 games that feature Batman. So we're looking at about 61 Batman games over the last hundred or so years since Batman originally came out. Yeah, and there's kind of eras of Batman in video games. And just to start with that, Batman has always had bad video games for a long, long time. Sure. Uh, Before the Arkham series, for the most part, uh, which obviously was fantastic. But, you know, we have early Batman from 86 to 93. These were mostly puzzle games or games that tried to be innovative and just weren't. Uh, it, it's a, it's, it was a tough time for, for Batman back then. Uh, we had the beat-em-up Batman era from 94 to 2001. These were mostly these 2D beat-em-ups as well as um, bad movie tie-ins for the, the bad right. movies. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Uh, and then we had a Batman racer. Of course, because <laughs> every game had to have one. And, uh, and and we had a Batman Beyond uh, 
Return of the Joker movie game that apparently is just awful yeah. uh, for PlayStation. And mm-hmm. then Sixth Generation, which is where we come in here with the GameCube, 2001-2007, we actually had some relatively decent Batman games. We started getting uh, a little better with storytelling, with graphics, with everything like that. Uh, we, we pushed a lot on the... Uh, TV series rather than the movies, uh, other than Batman Begins, which we'll be talking about. And there's also Lego Batman that came out in this time. Yes, I was going to say Lego Batman was huge. That That is one of the biggest Batman franchise games of all time. Of, I know, yeah. Of the yeah. bunch. There was, I just want to quickly go back to the starting there in the 80s, there were a couple of great Batman games on the NES, specifically the one that tied in with the 89 Batman film. Yes. Uh, that game's developed by Sunsoft. That's considered one of a lot of people's top 10 NES games of all time. Yes, I sorry I forgot to mention that. Yes, that that was one of the 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 issue was is that the Batman market was so saturated. Sure. Back then, like they were games coming out like two or three times a year mm-hmm. at, at this point, and it was yeah. you know getting a lot. But you are right, the the Batman movie tie-in from '89 is a very very good game. Uh, but other than that game and a couple of others, mm-hmm. we really never uh, achieved like peak Batman until the Arkham series in the seventh generation. From 2008 to 2016, which basically all the games, maybe other than Arkham Origins, but which was still okay, but basically all those games were very, very good. Uh, Arkham Asylum and Arkham City uh, particularly. Mm -hmm. And then now, 2017 to present, we had the Telltale games, uh, which died really quickly. And that was really sad to see because uh, the Telltale games were a cool way to take Batman more as a detective uh, and more into storytelling than actual gameplay, mm-hmm. which I thought was honestly where Batman could go. And then since then, we've had no new Batman games in the last five years, uh, other than Gotham Knights, which is going to come out, which technically isn't even a Batman game. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to come out in 2022, apparently. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, five years, Neil. I know. Five years since a standalone Batman game. We have had Batman VR, which kind of counts. And we, we have Batman in the Injustice series, which is fine. But those aren't really story-heavy Batman games. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean there. The Arkham Trilogy, I have to give a shout-out to right now because Arkham City is the video game that got me back into video games back after high school. After we finished high school, I was uh, my mom and I rented The Green Lantern from Roger's Video uh, in 2011. <laughs> One of the best movies ever made ever made mike but there was a trailer for that movie before the movie there was a trailer for arkham city and i hadn't really seen a video game trailer in years like since we were in high school and i'd taken taken a break from video games and i saw this this trailer and i was like oh oh my god like i had no idea that this is what video games where video games were at like mark hamill was the joker kevin conroy was batman again like you're you're flying around arkham city it's an open world there's all these villains the joker's creepy like it was the first time that i had seen batman as a mature character in a video game i only knew him as these kind of the wacky cartoon tie-in Batman's that we had seen with the GameCube. I didn't. I didn't. I hadn't heard of Arkham Asylum until way later. It was City that uh, that caught me, and I instantly. My brother had a PS3. I went right out and bought Arkham Asylum, and then a few months later, Arkham City, and played them both. And from there, my 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 video game love just kind of snowballed into what it is today. Where I'm <laughs> now on a GameCube podcast. So, fellas, it's not 2003 anymore, and like tending to crops in your Animal Crossing town, you also need to take care of your hygiene. And let's not beat around the bush. You need to keep your body hair under control. That's where Manscaped comes in. Manscaped is offering our listeners 20% off at checkout by using our promo code GameCube. Choose from an arsenal of body trimmers like the Lawnmower 4.0 for the big jobs, the Crop Shaver for your groin area. They even have the Weed Whacker for nose hairs that your controller has to look at as it's perched beneath your face as you play your 15th round of Mario Party. 
Manscaped also offers a wide variety of lotions, gels, and oils for your hair, skin. They even have deodorant for your balls. Mike and I have been using Manscaped products in separate showers, mind you. We do do some things separately, and I have particularly enjoyed the ball toner in the performance package. And even though I'm only 28, the weed whacker for my nose hairs has changed my life. Level up from store-bought barred soaps and deodorants you have been using since 8th grade and head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code GAMECUBE at checkout to save 20% on your order. Now, back to the podcast. That's really cool. That's a cool story. Yeah, yeah. I I also got into Arkham City when I started getting back into video games in university. Uh, someone in our in our res had it and because uh, it was 2011, I think, when it came out. And I was like, oh my god, wow, this is a really cool game this is where batman's at now and i yeah what's funny is what i remember most about that game is actually the riddler quests getting those stupid riddler trophies my (laughs) god but uh the game itself was just fantastic and yeah it snowballed for me as well uh, ever since then yeah definitely arkham asylum still in my top 20 games of all time has Mm -hmm. to be i love that game it's so cool bit of a metroidvania but uh yeah the batman games are very special um but before we talk about the gamecube games mike i want to talk a little bit about just other Batman things that we like, specifically like movies, comics, uh, things like that. So the Batman movies, you and I saw Dark Knight, an opening night back in 2008, and that was one of the most special movie-going experiences of my life. Oh, me too. Me too. That was really, really cool because if I remember correctly, we didn't mean to see it that night. I think we just got tickets... I think we just got tickets to it uh, for the Thursday night mm-hmm. uh, without, I don't know, without knowing or what. I I, I don't know how it, it came to, to be, but yeah. all I knew is that we were going to see Batman, uh, going to see Dark Knight on Thursday night. And I didn't realize that like it had come out like it was that day specifically. I thought it was the, the week before. Mm-hmm. So everyone around us uh, is in Batman costumes and Joker costumes and all yeah. like everyone's dressed up. And that was a really cool moment for me. I was like, "Oh my god, this is uh, this yeah. is pretty cool." And I remember when the the Dark Knight, like the Batman symbol, is coming kind of coming in to start the movie, and there's like fires everywhere to to make it look all cool and stuff. <laughs> uh, everyone just started clapping. Yeah, like yeah, let's go. And I was like, "Oh, this is as a 15 year old." Yeah, that was very very cool. It was really cool because up until that point, we had not. I at least I had not seen Batman Begins for whatever reason. I didn't see the first one. Did no, we saw the first one together at my cottage the yeah. next year, I think, or probably that same summer. Yes, we went to your cottage and then because I think we wanted to see it before Dark Knight Rises came out, which was 2012, 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we needed to see Batman Begins. So we went back in like 2010, 2009 to watch Batman Begins. And we love that one as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like going to the movies that night, that was one of the first times I remember seeing a movie in theaters, not wanting it to end. Like, yeah. even though it was this three hour film, I really had to go to the bathroom. I just wanted to see this Joker and this Batman on screen forever. Oh, I mean, it's probably one of the best movies ever made. It, mm-hmm. It's it's such an interesting plot. I, I watch it probably at least once every two years and maybe yeah. even once a year. It, it never gets old for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk later about the Batman Dark Knight video game. That was supposed to come out. That was an interesting research hole that I found myself in this week. Cool. Uh, learning about that. But yeah, Batman for me, I, I was a huge reader of the comics back in the day too. Mm-hmm. They're, the only comics I really read a lot were Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and Batman. Those were like the, the three. And when I got a bit older and started having a bit of disposable money... I started buying some of the comics that I used to read because I used to borrow them from people or read them in the library. So I started trying to look for them more. And it was always the early 2000s, late 90s comics, uh, specifically yeah. the the Nightfall 
uh, that arc. I really, really like Nightfall. I like that whole world, uh, Azrael and, and everything. Bane, uh, introduced Bane. That, that whole Bane. story arc is so cool. The Joker's like a lethal character. Like, again, it's the first time that you see the, these these guys as like killers as opposed to yes. these goo- goofy characters from the, the Schumacher films like the Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Jim Carrey movies, which is how I knew Batman up until this book where I was like, oh my God, this is like an R-rated comic book. I had no idea this is what comic books could be. Yeah. Oh, honestly. Yeah. It was really cool. And I loved every second of reading that. And then I, in school and university, we had to read the Dark Knight Returns by um, Frank Miller. And that was also really cool because that was another instance being like, oh, this isn't just a comic book. This is a, like a novel. Like this is, it's a graphic novel. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was one of the first moments where it kind of clicked to me. I was like, oh, like these aren't just comic books for kids. This is just like a brutal, heavy, dark story. Yeah. And like an actual literature that you study. Like I remember yeah. when we started, we started college in 2011, and I went to the bookstore to buy my my textbooks. And I remember seeing stacks of of Batman comics, like graphic novels. Like I remember specifically seeing Year One, uh, yes. in like a stack of a hundred books, just in the bookstore, in between psychology books and sociology <laughs> books, and being like, what what the hell is this? And then like looking at the electives, and there's there's graphic novel classes where you can study these things. And that's really when I started to get into it too. I, I borrowed a lot of these uh, these novels from the library because they're expensive. Graphic yep. novels like Nightfall, I think, is forty bucks per. Uh, it's a it's a big boy, but I think they're forty bucks each, and it's three volumes, so that's like a hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty dollar Canadian investment. Uh, I just got them from the library and read them for free, but that was the first time I remember being disappointed when we saw Dark Knight Rises because mm-hmm. it didn't follow the Nightfall storyline at all, really. No, and, and you kind of thought it was because of Bane mm-hmm. and everything, and right. you know, Dark Knight Rises is still a good movie. The problem was is that how do you follow the Dark Knight? I know. Right? It just is – it's impossible. So no matter, no matter what they, they would have done, it would have been really tough. And uh, we're not here to, to completely go over those movies because we could have a podcast alone on the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy and then what came after. And sure. Not mm. great. No. But they could change with the, the Batman coming out uh, this week. But anyways, Neil, let's start off with our first game of the day here, which is Dark Tomorrow. Sure thing. Here, uh, Let's start off on a high note here. Batman Dark Tomorrow was released on March 25th, 2003. It's developed by Kemco and HotGen for the Xbox. It's published by Kemco. It's also on Xbox. No PS2 copy. Uh, rates a 3 out of 10, which is not good. Generous. Very generous. Oh, God. Uh, price today at around $50. Don't. Don't spend $50 on this. <laughs> and it would be considered an action-adventure, 3D, beat-em-up style game. Uh, this game is awful. Nintendo Power even gave this game less than a 2 out of 10, Mike. I think it gave it like a 1.8 out of 10. Yeah, that's that's like insane for Nintendo Power. Like we mentioned last episode, Nintendo mm-hmm. Power was just there to sell games. They weren't there to do anything else. So if they gave something that low, that's how you knew that they also hated it mm-hmm. and basically wanted to put it in a landfill. Clearly. Yeah, I, I feel somewhat bad about Dark Tomorrow because really this game was trying to do what Arkham, the Arkham series was trying to do five years later. That's right. It's just a little bit ahead of its time. They, they pitched this game as an open world Batman game, which is what Arkham City would later become. Yeah, it's pretty cool that they actually were trying to do this. And it was very ambitious, especially for a company like Kemco. Who mm-hmm. really had just done tie-ins and stuff like that beforehand. Well, I yeah. guess this is a tie-in in a way, but you know what I mean. This was mm-hmm. uh, trying to be an original story. They got Batman writers to actually contribute to it as well, you know, and they really wanted to push this as based on the comic books, right. not based on the movies or on the TV shows, which was if you remember if you think about it at the time, you know, 
that would have made sense. This is 2003. Batman Begins hasn't come out yet. Uh, What people have in their minds when they think of Batman is Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So they really wanted to try and tackle that the dark issues that Batman has. And so the writing of it is quite good. So that's one of the few pros that I <laughs> that I had for the game. And also the the box art of Dark Tomorrow is pretty good. It's simple, uh, sleek. I, I could have been worse. The cutscenes as well, actually, in yep. Dark Tomorrow are really good and honestly are part of its downfall because the cutscenes are so well done for mm. 2003 that the gameplay just looks awful because of that. Yeah, no, exa- I was thinking the exact same thing. And even just going back to the box art, there's a similar copy of Arkham City that is the exact same look. Yes. It's Batman about to throw a punch at whoever's taking the picture, which I think is kind of strange. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I was I saw the cover of Dark Tomorrow and I was like, oh my God, this looks just like the, uh, I believe it's the like the ter- special edition of Arkham City. I think it's, it's the, the Game of the Year edition. Game of the Year edition. Thank you so much. But yeah, just leading into the the the. The production value of this game, there was at one point a production team in this game. Like the, cut, <laughs> the, the, the cutscenes are incredibly well done, yeah. and the music is also excellent. Like I was, I was yes. watching gameplay, and eventually I, I was like, okay, that that's enough of that. I was just listening to the music because it, again, this is before the Christopher Nolan films, but it, it sounds like the music from the Christopher Nolan films. Like it's it's orchestrated and it's it's beautiful and it like suits the theme of every level. It does, yeah, and that's that's gonna be a theme for all these uh, sure. all these games because they did all use really good music, even though they were all done by different devs and publishers, which is con number one here. Mm. You know, before the game even begins, it's weird that this game even exists <laughs> because it was sandwiched between Batman Vengeance, which we're gonna mention again uh, later, and Batman Rise of Sinsu, which are two pretty good releases by Ubisoft. So who gave the Kemco the keys to this, to the Batmobile on this one? <laughs> like, well, at, <laughs> well, at first, Mike, this game was supposed to be a GameCube exclusive. I don't know if, if you, yes. you found that. It was intended to be a games, GameCube exclusive, uh, but uh, after the GameCube came out and the sales were weak, uh, I guess the studio had to look up, to, had to look out to the other platforms, and that's why it was also developed for Xbox. So I don't know how Nintendo got the rights to Batman. The licensing rights behind Batman games has has always been a little strange to me. It's a bit mm-hmm. like uh, it's a bit like GoldenEye or some of the James Bond games as well. It's just things change over change hands over so much that it's just hard to tell who owns what. Uh, but at least they tried to keep it somewhat consistent with the cartoon. I thought the art style looked a little bit card like the the '90s cartoon. It just didn't feature any of the voice actors, unfortunately. No, I mean, it's so it's kind of hard because, yeah, the graphics aren't like the worst thing in the world. But the problem is, is that when you go to these other Batman games, specifically Rise of Sinsu, that came out uh, in November 2003. So just like six months later, mm-hmm. uh, that those the graphics in there are miles better yeah. than this game. So, you know, that's a huge problem, too, because obviously a person is com- going to compare the two games. Right. And yeah, I just I just don't understand why this game was even made. It just doesn't makes sense it should have just been canceled but it wasn't neil and i tried to play it this week oh and let me tell you i don't know how anyone actually got to the ending of this game which is honestly one of the worst things in video game history we'll talk about that soon yeah did you didn't enjoy handcuffing every single person that you knock out Okay, so that's that's one of the issues. Yep. yep. So uh, what Neil is referring to there is every time you knock somebody out in the beat em up mode, uh, you have to basically because you can't kill anyone. Uh, you know, right. it's Batman. Mm-hmm. So you basically have to you know go on top of them and handcuff them. The whole animation is there, which takes a while. So if you're fighting uh, like a, a group of enemies. 
you're screwed because yep. they're always trying to kill you. Right. Uh, and you you can never actually put any of these guys down. It reminded me like Ultimate Spider-Man where it's the same thing. Spider-Man has to beat someone up and then web them immediately. Right. And obviously the webbing takes like five seconds and you can do it from anywhere. Where this with the animation was long and tedious and you kept getting beaten up. And it's a straight cutscene, like it cuts to you handcuffing them. I don't know where Batman keeps all of these handcuffs in his utility belt. <laughs> yeah, the enemies come at you one at a time, and if you're cuffing somebody, they can knock you on on the back of the head. The enemy AI doesn't make any brain sense. Dead. Brain yeah, dead. brain dead AI. Like sometimes they're not even running at you; they run at walls. <laughs> I, I I'm not a huge fan of games, especially beat 'em ups, where they come at you one at a time in a 3D game. Like it makes sense maybe for a 2D game, but in a 3D game, it just it takes me out of it way too much. So, Neil, you, if you play, I actually kind of want to buy this game because I just want you Don't. to play it uh, <laughs> because you, you might have had like a stroke or something. Oh, probably. Because this game has a fixed camera. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. That just randomly changes positions. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, the controls then change the direction with each camera movement. Yep. And they'll cut during a fight too. So one minute you're, you know, fighting forward and the next minute you got to pull back because now you're fighting backwards because the camera angle changed. We talked about this a little while ago. I think it was for Catwoman or Charlie's Angels, one of those two games. Yeah. And it was the same one. idea. There's, there's a couple of these games where the developers decided to put this fixed camera that switches on you halfway through. I don't know where that came from. But like, you know, the only thing I think of is Resident Evil with fixed cameras, really. That's where, yeah. that's what I think of. But like, you're walking down hallways looking mm. for and opening doors. Oh, yep. speaking of which, <laughs> <laughs> this was not a planned segue. I just thought of it. Okay. Uh, uh, opening doors in this game is like the most brutal, stupid thing I've ever done in any game because the action button to open doors or collect items or whatever is the same as attack. Mm. Uh, and so with the fixed camera uh, <laughs> on there, it makes it impossible to open a door because you don't know where the action, you know, is on the door itself. So you're just constantly punching things instead of opening it. Right. I've seen I've seen gameplay of this and it's just people punching everywhere because they're not quite sure what to do. And yep. even like trying to talk to some of the NPCs in certain areas, you have to be crouching. Like if they're sitting, you can't uh, stand and talk to it. them. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I saw I was watching this YouTube video of these two guys wondering how they're supposed to talk to these characters. And they were stuck in the room for a while. And then they realized that they have to like crouch and talk to the person sitting down to, for them to talk back. Oh, just, that hurts. Just stuff like that. There's just like little QA things that did not pass the tests and they, they put the game out anyway, unfortunately. Another thing that I found disappointing about this game was the boss fights. They're all incredibly boring. Yeah, it's just like fighting an enemy, like another enemy. Another enemy, exactly. Like the final fight in the game, spoilers, I won't tell you who you fight, but it's a sword fight. Like it's no, not I'm, I'm going to spoil this game. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, we don't usually like to spoil games on this episode, but I don't want anyone to ever play this game. Fair. So we're going to spoil it all because I got to talk about the ending anyways. Okay. So you, you end up fighting off your, your mentor, Raj Al Ghul, in the final. Now, I need to cut right there. Do you say Raj Al Ghul, Raish, or Ra? It's, it's Raj Al Ghul. I hate Ra when people say Raish Al Ghul. I, Raj it, Al Ghul. It, it throws me off. I've heard Ra Al Ghul this week. I'm like, where do you get that? Anyway, <laughs> uh, you're fighting him as a sword fight, and it's probably one of the worst looking sword fights I've ever seen in a video game. Why are you fighting him with swords? <laughs> it made me so angry. It's like there's KOTOR. No, there's no explanation of why you have a sword all of a sudden. No. Just all, uh, Raj al Ghul is just like, let's fight with swords. And Batman's like, yeah, this is the way to do it. This mm -hmm. is this is honorable. Uh, and But before you even get there, like the ending part of this game is just hell. And this part I didn't play. This part I had to look up because I did not get very far from this game. It just okay. was, I was so angry the entire time. It mm -hmm. took me half an hour to get through the, the tutorial. 
You could have been playing Elden Ring. I could have been playing Elden Ring, Neil. I'm very upset. <laughs> uh, the tutorial is you're jumping on rooftops. But the problem is, is that because of the fixed camera, there's no depth perception. <laughs> so you can't like... You're playing see... Frogger Beyond. You're playing Frogger Beyond. That's what it felt like. <laughs> Honestly, that's a great comparison. Thank you. Oh, no. uh, yeah, you just had no idea where you were going. And that didn't come up again, for me at least. And then I watched gameplay. So it does technically come up again in the end level because you're at Rajal Ghul's castle thing in the mountains or something. Uh, and everything's white. Everything's with snow. Oh, no. So you, you're you now jumping over, like, crevices uh, in the mountains. And you can't see, again, depth perception, fixed camera. You have no idea where you are. And uh, that looked horrible to try and just get to his castle. Um, so that, yeah, it's just a directionless maze, basically. The environments in general in this game are weak. Like, I remember there's this one scene where you, you're you in, I think it's near the beginning of the game. Maybe you got to this, but it, the building is on fire. Like, you're in some kind of a burning building, and it's... Barely got to that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the fire animation looked so weird. It looked like they just kind of filmed tinfoil in the wind and put that in. Like, I've never seen fire animation like that in... Like, it looks kind of shiny or glossy. Like, usually in these games, it's kind of foggy i guess it has like a bit of a, a mist to it almost but this one they went with straight like shiny fire and it looked so strange it looked like fire in like a pingu episode or something like <laughs> it, it, i don't know how to describe it but it was like it looks well it just it just was like fire and graphics that weren't qa'd at all that no one did anything yeah. to like the, the this game was just created and then put out yeah like that's that's a hundred percent what happened and it felt like every first idea that they had for the game was the idea that they <laughs> yeah. went with basically like how does he how does this boss fight end how about this great how does this boss fight end this great like they didn't <sighs> come up with any second ideas or anything it felt a lot like that like he throws a fish in the puppeteer's mouth and stuff like it's just weird things oh yeah with the ventriloquist ending. yeah the ventriloquist sorry like the, like there's that scene which again like the cutscenes look fine it's just like what's they happening look in good. the good they look very good honestly i think the what i think we can close this out by saying save yourself 50 dollars and just watch a cutscene compilation of this game to get the story and uh close out from there oh well neil we do have to talk about the ending though sure because this is you know this game is horrible right mm-hmm. yes but somehow this game is now made even worse. Okay. So did you did you learn oh, about the ending, Neil? Yes, there are three different endings, but the game doesn't tell you that until you get to the ending. So there's a part of near the end of the game that you have to, I believe it's you have to hit some kind of a switch. Yep. And if you don't hit that switch, you get the bad ending. That is not ever explained. Never explained. So what Neil's saying is when you're fighting Rajal Ghul, you, it's a really hard fight mind you, when you finally beat him with your sword, he's like, oh, no, you've beaten me. But now he's he holds like a detonator. But now I'm going to blow up all my bombs that I had. And he blows them up. And you see the animations of like the world basically getting destroyed. <laughs> and like half of humanity is killed. And then there's Batman on his knees going, no. And then the game ends. The game <laughs> ends. Could she? I couldn't even imagine if I did end up spending these probably 30 hours to be this game is how much it would take <laughs> if i if i spent all this time and then that happens i would just be i would be stunned yeah i i i, I my mouth would just be completely open i would have no idea what was going on and apparently no one else did either neil because again this is kind of pre-internet 2003 everyone yep. was really confused anyone who actually got to the end was really mm. confused <laughs> uh they had to kind of basically look it up like what happens and then it was because you didn't turn off the detonator switch before you got into the Rajal Ghoul fight, which is mm-hmm. told to you, like you said, nowhere. 
right? Multiple endings were becoming more popular in the sixth generation. Some developers and companies knew how to do it right away. They just worked. Uh, this was not one of those times. Much like the fixed camera angle, it worked for some games. They did not seem to understand. I don't think, again, I don't think that the people that developed this game ever played a game before like it's just like they kind of it's just this boardroom full of people they're trying to make a cash in batman game and they came up with all the hot ideas at the time the beat-em-ups the the camera angles the characters from the comic books and the tv show and people like multiple endings throw in a multiple ending there should we explain the multiple ending no put it out ship it we need to get this in throw in a con and throw a comic book into the case there while you're at it because that was cool yeah that was that that was one nice thing about it's worth the 50 bucks i guess (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like even even to turn off that blinking red light you have to you, you don't just action button it you have to mm. go to your tool belt use your universal tool okay and then use that on it without again no instructions no. to do that there's no way anyone would have known no. and even if you do that at the end of the day and you know save the world or whatever it's still not a great ending because Rajul Gold then basically explains to you that you're kind of stuck in this cycle because you won't kill anyone mm-hmm. so you'll you'll have to just keep fighting these enemies over and over again and this is what's making Gotham bad and it's like, oh, wow, this is, like, depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, they didn't know how to end this game, clearly. They did, They just had a beat-em-up game. It, it's just a lifeless Batman game that does not need to be picked up in any way. Uh, so <sighs> why don't we hit the back of the case of Batman Dark tomorrow, and we'll move on to the next game on our list. Yeah, I never want to talk about this again. It sounds good. <laughs> but first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Gotham City is on the verge of a dark tomorrow. That's terrible. (laughs) He will try to stop you. Will he not? I have already anticipated his involvement. What? That's a quote. That's a quote, by the way. Something unspeakable lies in the shadows. An unseen miasma of dread lingers in the darkness. An unrelenting evil lurks in the night. A madman has set a catastrophic chain of events in motion. The fate of the world is at stake, and only one person alive can stop him. The Batman. No, the Batman and a guidebook. Yes. Oh, definitely. The only things that I could stop this. And a guidebook. They do include Robin into this game, or Nightwing, I suppose it is, and Batgirl as well. But it's not the Batgirl that you know from the cartoon. It's Cassandra Cain. And if you hadn't read the comics or anything, you probably wouldn't know who this character was. It's basically like Batwoman, but with blackface, complete blackface. She looks terrifying, but her suit is actually really cool if you read the comics. Yeah, because it's like full, it's almost like a morph suit that she has on. Uh, so it is really cool, but yeah, it, I, it threw me off at first. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, the GameCube graphics don't lend well. It looks like that they made a bat suit, but just forgot to make a face, kind of. Like, it just looks yep. like an empty mask. Uh, but that is what she's supposed to look like. It's just not super well detailed. She's a really neat character, raised by assassins, like, never taught how to read or write, just taught how to kill people, basically, and how to read body language, uh, so she knows what people are going to do next. Neat character, uh, but not used particularly well in this game. But it's time to move on to the next game on our list, which is Batman Rise of Sinzu, which was released on November 11th, 2003. This game was developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. It's also on Xbox, PS2, and Game Boy Advance. Rates a 7 out of 10, priced today at around $30, and this is another action-adventure beat-em-up and a sequel to Batman Vengeance, which we covered back on Episode 1 and Episode 50 of our podcast. And that's right, and Batman Vengeance was released on launch day, November Mm -hmm. 18th, 2001. That was also developed by Ubisoft. Montreal, published by Ubisoft, and for this basically all it, it is 
you know, the same similar game as Rise of Sinsu and uh, had all the voice actors from the animated Batman show from the 90s, which is pretty cool. And yeah, Rise of Sinsu is a game that I've always wanted to check out, but I never have because I was really a big fan of the box art. I really like that box art. It's very different. It's you never see Batman with like too many oranges and yellows and reds. It's always like blue and dark colors. Uh, it's yeah. like just usually two colors. So the, the box art is really nice if you want to check it out. But uh, it's actually the thumbnail of our episode because I liked it so much. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks really cool. It looks like a movie of like the Batman animated series, almost like the Mask of Phantasm. They yes. kept that. It's perfect. Like I love the art style of the Batman animated series. So uh, they kept that theme going with this. It's, it is really good. I love it. Yeah. And the game itself is pretty good so Mm -hmm. i also got a chance to play this uh uh, you know i really wanted to this was one i've been waiting for for a long time and uh i got to say very original uh in terms of you know having a whole new villain uh sinsu is in here and he's played by uh, a voice actor who i actually really really like as an actor uh he's played by hiroyuki tagawa who is a okay. fantastic actor in Man in the High Castle. He plays um, oh. in the, the Amazon Prime series. Uh, he plays a pretty prominent character in there, and uh, I really, really enjoyed him there. So when I saw his name here, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Nice. And, I mean, wow. like we said, we had the, the voice acting cast from the main series is back again. Uh, no Mark Hamill because there's no Joker. Nope, but Tara Strong is voicing Batgirl, which is nice. Tara Strong is Batgirl. Bob Hastings is James Gordon. Ron Perlman is Clayface. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great that's a great casting call. Oh, yeah, I know. That's a really <laughs> good one. I love that. And yeah, like you said, Batgirl is playable in this uh, as our Batman, of course, Nightwing, and Robin. And that mm-hmm. is what made the game really interesting to me before I started playing this because I've always wanted to... I always like games where I can play as Nightwing. I love Nightwing. And mm-hmm. I also love Batgirl because... I had a crush on her forever as a kid. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they do add a lot of new things to this game, which is neat. One thing I don't love about Batman in general is that they always seem to love to go back to... It's a, it's a meme at this point, but they always seem to go back to Batman's parents' death. Like, that's how this game opens up, and it's yeah, yeah. the anniversary of his parents' death. He's kind of reliving the flashbacks of his parents getting shot and the pearls falling down and everything. Like, it's kind of tiring i think and i've heard of the new movie that they, they're doing away with the origin of him Thank a little God. bit I, I i'm very tired of it but in the early 2000s we weren't quite as sick of it yet i suppose um but yeah uh right off the bat like the the animation of the game looks good they're clearly using a very similar engine to batman vengeance which sold very well if you if listeners you remember it sold around seven hundred thousand copies in the first year that that game came out which is pretty good for a cartoon mm-hmm. tie-in not great by standards of like a capcom or a or a uh, Kojima game or something, but still sure. pretty good for a cartoon tie-in game. So this game definitely warranted a sequel, which was nice. Um, one thing that this game did so much better than Dark Tomorrow was that you could string combos together, which is a must for superhero games, in my opinion. Yes, like, I I, I, I mean, I don't want to talk to Dark Tomorrow anymore. <laughs> but yes, it, 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 the combat system is good. So a lot, uh, it is, you know, this game is a beat-em-up uh, through and through. It's a 3D beat-em-up. And uh, there's a lot of critics out there who it did have a lot of mixed reviews when it came out. A lot sure. of people critiqued the game for the beat 'em up genre, and I think it's mostly because in 2003, people wanted to see something more, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe starting for some open world games, just different games in general, uh, almost visual novel types because it's like you know detective style. We ended up getting all those things with the Arkham series. I was gonna say stealth, like stealth is missing yep. from these games. That's the big thing is stealth is that we don't have what well, we. 
we do get it with Batman Begins. But yeah, mm-hmm. these games we don't get stealth, which is okay. See, in my the way I see it is because of the art style, because of the the mood, the genre, everything with this, a beat 'em up mm-hmm. game is fine. It's the same thing with Ultimate Spider-Man, right? It's done in that in that right. kind of comic booky way. Uh, in this sense, it's just a direct, almost spinoff of the Batman animated series. Right. And so I think with that in mind, a beat 'em up game makes sense. And you know, a lot of people didn't love that back in the day, but I think it actually uh, is better today than it was when it was released because of that. Yeah, it stands out more from these cinematic Batman games that we've seen in the last few years, where like the Arkham series where the the music is all very big and like the cutscenes are all very like a movie like you're watching a movie that this yeah. game kind of harkens back more to the Saturday morning cartoon style especially with the voice acting having all those voice actors back and the music that went with it too was oh, very jazzy so good. I love listening to like the little jazzy bass lines going you're right like the a, a stealth mission or a stealth section of a level would not have fit the the style or the or anything really of this game they probably could have had some bits of it but it yeah. would not have been as as like fleshed out as like Splinter Cell that we talked about last week or some of the Bond games they couldn't have done that in this game it wouldn't it wouldn't have fit no and, and for this game like I said the big thing that sets it apart from other games specifically it's it's uh, predecessor is the fact that you can play as Batgirl Nightwing and Robin and playing as Batgirl and Robin actually is really fun okay and I find it's really fun because one of my critiques in a lot of Batman games is that Batman is often kind of clunky. Yes. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's he's a big boy. So, it, you know, it <laughs> takes a while for him to move around and he's not that speedy. And so sometimes you end up in these enemy fights that feel the same thing over and over again. But mm-hmm. when you get to play as, as Batgirl or Robin, they're much faster. And so right. it feels like you're playing the game like in like one and a half times speed. <laughs> and so that's kind of really nice when you're dealing with these sections that it's just endless enemies. It's mm. cool to play as those two because you can kind of just go through them a little faster, it feels like. And it's just yeah. more fun to to string combos together when you're them. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why a lot of people liked the Batman Beyond cartoon that came out after Batman was because you had like this kind of sleek, acrobatic Batman. He had like a bit of a slimmer look to him. He wasn't, I know what you're saying, like the 90s cartoon Bruce Wayne is a bigger kind of guy. He's more like a tank, but then we had, (laughs) that's why Robin worked so well with him was because he was actually smaller. Uh, But Batman Beyond as a video game would be really cool. I don't know why we haven't seen more of that character in movies and video games since since the early 2000s, really. That's actually, going back to the beginning here of the episode, that's actually what i grew up with the most for batman mm-hmm. was batman beyond i loved that series very cool yeah i loved it too i watched it it was on i think on was that my tv after school for us i think so yeah in the early 2000s yep yeah but uh this game did do a few things not super well mm-hmm. i have to say and one of those things is that the levels are timed that was the worst a, thing by far yeah, yeah a bit strange i mean like i love pikmin i love those time <laughs> levels you know me but in a beat-em-up it doesn't exactly fit well like it makes sense for an arcade game and i get that they were trying to make a 3d version of the 2d classic arcade batman games but it it just kind of adds urgency when it doesn't need to be there yeah it felt weird this 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 was definitely something that the devs didn't want i can like Mm. i can you know almost picture myself in this boardroom this is something (laughs) someone saw this in a game and they were like hey we need to have this uh in this game now we need to have batman timed for whatever reason well if you grew up with 80s and 90s games they were timed like that was just every like mario was timed like if you were playing a a a race to the end of the level game you had to have a time limit yeah it just made sense like it was not cut yet i can't imagine playing a game now that like a like a triple a game (laughs) each level is timed like you're playing the new last of us and you need to get to a certain checkpoint in 10 minutes or something it'd be (laughs) so weird yeah because it's weird in this game because at the beginning the time levels are for hostage situations 
And that mm. makes sense, right? Yeah. Or a bomb going off. Yeah. yeah. So that made sense to me. But then I realized that it was in all of them. And yeah. that got weird. I was like, that doesn't need to be here. So mm. I don't know. That's weird. The thing I'm most sad, though, about this game is the fact that Sinsu, who was made just for this game alone, mm-hmm. uh, was never brought anywhere in the DC universe. Well, he was apparently brought back in 2016. Uh, oh. There's a Suicide comic that came out. That's the name of the series, I suppose. But you're right. From 2003 to 2016, nothing. Not not in another game, not in a cartoon. I, I could be wrong. We could be wrong about that. But I believe from 2003 to 2016, absolutely nothing. So and who knows? Well, 2016 onwards, too. Like I, Right. I, it's been <laughs> yeah, six years and no word from Sinzu. Maybe... Who knows, Mike? Maybe he'll be teased in uh, in this movie that's coming out this week. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really cool, though, because he's a cool character. Uh, he's very cool. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think more video games need to do stuff like this to bring in either pretty unknown characters or new characters. I think of the new Spider-Man. I'm always going to compare Batman to Spider-Man. Sure. I, I think of the new Spider-Man game, like the PS4 game, uh, yep. where they brought in Mr. Negative. As a, who was oh, yeah. a character who did a kind of exist before, but was you know quite unknown for yeah. the most part, and so like that was a great uh, way to tie the stories together, tie villains together. So like mm. more video games need to do that instead of just being like, hey, here's the Joker again. Yeah, that's the thing with this pack of games here that we're talking about today. We're talking about three Batman games where the Joker is not the main villain. Yeah, uh, like uh, Dark Tomorrow was Rajal Ghul. This one is Sinzu, and then the next game we're going to be talking about is Rajal Ghul and Scarecrow again. Uh, so it was kind of weird that they didn't dip into that Joker pool for any of these games, really. Yeah, it's interesting. I, Joker was in Vengeance uh, because at the beginning, uh, you know, he uh, it, it's actually very similar to The Dark Knight at the beginning of Vengeance. Uh, mm. Batman is holding Joker upside down in a construction building. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But this one, Joker shocks the Batman. He falls to his death, or does he? And so the whole time is like trying to figure out if Joker's alive or not. So Vengeance... Uh, is you know definitely centered around Joker, but but isn't as much as um as some of these other games that came after or before it. It's I think the video games are a great way to include villains that we don't necessarily get to see in films and in the in the shows. Yeah. And everything. Like like you mentioned with Mister Negative and in, in Spider Man, like it, it, if you got a Spider Man game in the '90s or the 2000s, it was Green Goblin, it was Venom, it was Doc Ock and Scorpion and Shocker, and that was it every yeah. time. But we we played all of those games and that's fine. But there are a lot of Batman villains that have never been never seen a video game appearance yet yeah exactly so it'd be nice that's why these games are nice to bring in some some new blood you know and just make things a Mm -hmm. little different i think rise of sensu did that and i i honestly think this is a a great hidden gem for the gamecube Uh, it definitely has its faults but it's a a really good game and i'm going to explain at the end of the episode what i'd like to see done with it so Cool. And before we read the back of this case, I do want to mention that uh, the GameCube version of Rise of Sinzu does feature Game Boy Advance support, but you have to have the Game Boy Advance version of Rise of Sinzu as well, and you have to live in North America, which is English in English means no one did this. Uh, but, <laughs> but if you connect your Game Boy Advance with Rise of Sinzu to your GameCube while playing Rise of Sinzu, you uh, unlock some special modes on your Game Boy Advance game, uh, which cannot be saved. So it's a bit of a half-assed uh, support there. Yeah. Uh, I guarantee no one did it back in the day. I'm sure some collectors have done it now. Uh, the Game Boy Advance game, usually we say that these tie-ins are pretty good on Game Boy Advance. This one doesn't look super great. The animation is very chunky. The characters don't have any real detail on them. The music is a bit bombastic and crazy. It's like a two and a half hour game that uh, doesn't really have any replayability to it. This this type of game shouldn't have been made into a Game Boy Advance game. 
it's like a very console specific game. Like, I'm not sure how you would have even done this. You would have just had to make like a SNES remake almost. Honestly, they probably could have done with just porting the 1989 Sunsoft Batman game to Game Boy Advance at the same time as this and or maybe make it like a, an unlockable game. Uh, but with licensing and everything, not the same developers. So I guess it makes sense. But anyway, let's hit the back of the case of Rise of Sinzu and move on to the last game of the day. A new evil rises, beyond madness, beyond evil, and driven by a single desire, to conquer. Sinzu is an enemy unlike any Batman has ever faced. Batman calls upon his allies Robin, Nightwing, and Batgirl to stem the tide of this new rising evil. Evil. And uh, Batman's Shadow of Sinzu actually came out after this. It was a year-long webcomic released bi-weekly by, uh, by DC Comics on their website, and it kind of served as a sequel uh, to the events that happened in uh, in the game. And I think people have also novelized this game too because it is an interesting plot. And this is one I don't want to spoil because you should actually play this. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that, that's great. I love stuff like that. I think we talked about that back on the X-Men episode. I believe that they made some comics around the X-Men Legends games. They don't do that quite often anymore, and they definitely don't throw comic books in with video games anymore. It was a simpler time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a simpler time. It was. But, Mike, let's move on to the last game of the day here, which is Batman Begins, based on the movie, based on the game. It was released on June 14th, 2005. This game was developed by Eurocom. They made Nightfire, of course. Published by EA Games. This game is also on PS2 and Game Boy Advance. There was a PSP game in the works, but it was later canceled, which is too damn bad. I love the PSP. This game rates a 7 out of 10, priced today at around $20. This is an action adventure with some stealth mechanics thrown in there. And it's, of course, based on the Batman Begins movie by Christopher Nolan. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And um, before I get into this game, Neil, I just want to talk a little bit about why we never got a Batman Dark Knight movie tie-in. Yeah, or Dark Knight Rises movie tie-in either. Well, yeah, that was 2012, though. That was like too late. <laughs> movie tie-ins were dead at that point. But they were not dead when uh, Dark Knight came out. So please, uh, let, let me know. Why did we not get a tie-in for that movie? So I this was kind of rocking around my brain, Neil, because I was thinking, well, Batman Begins, this is a pretty late GameCube game, uh, 2005. And mm. one would think that in 2008, Dark Knight would get a movie tie-in too. But I, I was thinking, I'm like, I don't think they ever got one. So I started looking it up. And actually, a game was being made. It was a canceled game. And it was going to be an open-world Batman game, similar to Who Dark Tomorrow, uh, in that sense of trying to do something ambitious. uh, And it was going to be based on the movie, of course. And it was going to be made by Pandemic Studios, Neil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Made the old Star Wars Battlefronts, Destroy All Humans. uh, And EA, uh, of course, was the publisher here, just like Batman Begins. So this had a lot of potential behind it. And there were a multitude of reasons why this didn't work, uh, but mostly the fact that the timeline was too tight, honestly. Uh, okay. The fact that they couldn't save the game and get it uh, ready for uh, October 2008 release date kind of just threw the whole project into disarray. And, you know, EA, if something goes wrong, boom, get done, canceled forever. And that's basically what happened and uh, what's funny, though, is that The Dark Knight was supposed to be a secret, the, the, the game, uh, that is. But uh, Gary Oldman actually <laughs> revealed that the game was in development during an interview with G4. Interesting. Yeah. And so um, actually, at one point, Oldman uh, visited uh, to go and see the progress of the, of the game. And uh, he got like there's pictures of him shown, you know, seeing what was going on and him playing as Gordon and everything. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so before this, EA had never said that a game was actually going to come out because they weren't sure if it actually would because of how ambitious it was going to be. 
Hmm. Uh, so that kind of was another nail in the coffin for them. It's funny that Gary Oldman is the one that spoiled it because he is not in <laughs> Batman Begins. A lot of the actors come back and reprise their roles for Batman Begins, except Gary Oldman. I find it funny that he's the one that spoiled the uh, the sequel. I'm just <laughs> reading about it right now. EA, they reported $100 million in lost revenue for not releasing the Dark Knight video game, yep. uh, which for EA is not a lot of money. Uh, they have way more money in the bank than that, so I guess that they could afford to swallow it. But I'm glad that they didn't force this game out. Like you said, if the game was not ready for the movie's launch. I'm really glad that a great movie like The Dark Knight was not tainted by having a crappy movie tie-in. That would have just, it might not have ruined the movie for us, but it would have just been a like a like a black dot on the movie always. I 100% agree. But yeah. before I even looked this up, I was like, oh God, I'm glad that there wasn't one, but let's see what happened here. Mm. And But it, it seems like it was going to be really cool because the whole cast was on it. Like Gary Oldman did want to do this one um, and the crew was on it. Christopher Nolan helped with it. So it would have been a really cool game. There's actually a great uh, video about it, which is I went I did a deep dive into for Did You Know Gaming. Uh, oh, yeah. They dedicated a whole episode uh, of uh, of their series to this game, uh, kind of showcasing gameplay footage and prototypes from concept work as well. So that was really cool. And because of this, uh, the licensing that EA had actually ended up reverting back to Warner Brothers uh, because they didn't put out a Dark Knight game. And that's why there's no Dark Knight Rises game, Neil. Honestly, I'm okay without having a Dark Knight and a Dark Knight Rises game. If we got Arkham Asylum and City and even Knight to end Origins, like I think that's a pretty good trade-off oh, for yeah. two okay movie tie-in games. Like they would have been three to four hours, which Batman Begins is. It's not even that long of a game. If it was good if it was gonna be like that, a short but a great experience, like I'm okay trading that for a great experience with four games that we got between 2008 and 2016 i don't love the argument or at least the point that canceled games seem to have a ton of potential like of course a canceled game has a lot of potential because your mind is filling in a lot of the gaps that that game would have had like a game that doesn't come out is always going to be more exciting than a game that does come out and doesn't do well yeah, I think this one is is tough too because there was stuff released for it eventually, so people did sure. see it. Uh, it's not like something like Battlefront Three, Star Wars mm. Battlefront Three, which is a really famous example of a canceled game that was basically done, yeah. uh, and so footage of it is all over the internet and seeing what it could do, and it really games have honestly not even fully caught up to that technology, right. which is pretty crazy. So, yeah, canceled games, that's a whole other topic. We'll do we'll do an episode on, on canceled yeah. games one day. But yes, Batman Begins, the movie, the game. This game is, it looks good, for one. Yeah. It looks very good. I know it's a, a later GameCube release, but it still looks very, very great. It features the likeness and voices of all the main cast, other than Gary. Uh, well, I think it's his likeness. I think he's... It's his likeness, yeah. it's just not his voice. Yeah, yep. that's close enough. Um, <laughs> but... The game itself, playing it, uh, it's it's not great. The, the fighting system isn't fantastic. Uh, and I think my problem with this game, more than anything, is just looking at it from a you know present-day perspective. Yeah. Because it looks and feels so much like the Arkham games. Right. All I could think of was just, I want to play Arkham. And yeah. I don't want to play this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, I thought the exact same thing. When the when the game boots up, the environments are incredibly well detailed. Like, yeah. the game looks good. The character models even look good. Like, it looks like a man on screen. It doesn't look like <laughs> a cartoon man on screen, which the last few games have looked like a bit over 
over-dramatized, uh, you know, arms and legs and just body types. Uh, but then as soon as you start to play the game, like when you start to rotate the camera around, it's got frame rate dips. Uh, when a lot of characters are fighting on screen, it starts to, to dip as well. It doesn't quite look right. Uh, I can see what they were going for, though. They did try and implement some stealth mechanics like we talked about last week with Splinter Cell. You can definitely see some influence from Splinter Cell in this yes. game, like hiding in the shadows, uh, characters sensing movement and sound. And uh, one thing that I love that this game introduced was the kind of like a fear mechanic that they made where you can freak out the the bad guys on screen and that kind of helps you when you finally do attack them yeah i i also like that a lot i think Mm -hmm. just like in general the game is good there's there's not necessarily one wrong thing with it 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 just not as good as someone would have liked it to be i think is is the the main thing here i i know some people online are like very uh you know have a lot of hate on it but uh i was like oh it's not that bad guys no it's not that bad it's not in anybody's top 10 batman games of all time but i think in terms of a movie tie-in, it's very good for for this generation. That's it's a definitely good point. not It's definitely not in the bad bin of of movie tie-ins, and this game is pretty affordable, like twenty bucks. I see this game almost everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. everywhere. I swear, every single game store on earth has this game. Yeah, definitely, it's in there with the Finding Nemo's and the Incredibles and everything. Like you'll <laughs> find a Batman Begins game. So if you're interested in it, you want to pick it up. It's just a couple hours to play through. You might have a pretty decent time. It also has some driving missions in there too, which look yeah. pretty decent. You get to drive around. On, in the Batmobile, like from what do they call it, the Tumbler in those, in yeah, those yeah, movies? The tumbler, which, yeah, yeah, not not super stealthy. I've always had an issue with Batmobiles in the Batman games, especially Arkham Knight. It got to be a little bit crazy at points, but this kind of looks like a a Need for Speed game almost, or Burnout, where you're kind of just driving recklessly through the city. There's arrows that light up to show you where to go. I think it's like a nice change of pace for the game, where you have these fighting scenes, these stealth scenes, and then these fun action driving missions thrown in there too. It's a very complete game, and almost like the same kind of formula as Nightfire, which Eurocom made. Yeah, I, I did... Because I was looking for, like, the Nightfire elements in there, and I I got some of them for sure. Like The The driving for sure. The driving for sure, the environments, very similar. Uh, Just that that Eurocom style, I don't know what to call it. But, uh, like, that that was definitely fun. Yeah, the driving missions are very fun with the Tumblr. And I got to give them a lot of credit, you know, once again, for getting everybody on board for this game. And clearly wanting to make it a, a, a well-done movie tie-in instead of just a, another one that, that was coming out in, in these years. Because uh, if you think about it, Peter Jackson's King Kong had just come out at this right. time. So this was this was the peak of good movie tie-ins, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And it even, it even kind of took some of the Lord of the Rings game. They had the clips from the movie as cutscenes. This game does that too, where they have clips of Batman Begins instead of making pre-rendered cutscenes that probably would have looked off they just you know what here's yep. pieces of the film watch this instead and it works really well so yeah peter jackson's king kong the lord of the rings spider-man 2 i think batman begins definitely fits in that list of good movie tie-ins from this era yeah i, I definitely agree and now of course most of the movie tie-ins are horrible so it's <laughs> it's pretty easy to get on the good list uh just make sure you have a game that's playable and that's not the, the worst thing ever and that's what this game is it's playable yeah. it's relatively fun my my biggest issue with this game mm. overall though is not even anything to do with the gameplay it's just the fact that, like I said with Dark Tomorrow, why are there four companies basically working <laughs> on this license? It's yeah. it's just too much. It's There's too much different Batman. And so yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that the Arkham series were just like, okay, it just this is the series we're going for. This is the style. This is like the, the kind of game that we're going to be making for Batman for the next five years. I agree. I think that it's uh, sometimes it comes, I don't know, like I'm kind of torn between two thought processes here where I like what you're thinking and that like, 
one studio or one developer has the rights to a franchise for X number of years, five years, 10 years, whatever they end up with. But then on the other hand, we end up with what we got with Star Wars and EA games where EA had the Star Wars license from 2012 until just recently, like 2021, I think that the license has expired. And look what we got. We got two half-assed yep. Battlefront games and an okay Jedi Fallen Order game. Like that game was good at best. Um, so I see what you're saying where it's nice to have just one one company in charge of a license. But if those games are bad, you're stuck with that company making these games for the next few years. That's a really good point, though. I, like that's yeah. a good counter argument for that for sure. It yeah. just it's, it's just especially tough in this era mm. because you really need to like – the, the big thing here is when you're doing a licensed franchise, you need the franchise to be fully behind you in every way. Yeah. And it's the same way how, like, the Lord of the Rings uh, license was broken up. Like, that one one of those games is not going to be as good as the others. That's just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't put out two fantastic games with the same license using the same content because it just won't work. Right. Uh, and in this, in this era, uh, I think we just got a lot of these games that just – no no publisher wanted to push the full like 50 million dollar budget to create a game or, or anything like that uh no. no no one wanted to go the full open world they tried clearly they did it with um they tried to do it with dark tomorrow they tried to do it with the dark knight that got canceled so mm-hmm. it, it was a, a tough time to really push the envelope and instead just being like okay let's just make games that are good enough mm-hmm. or try to be good enough <laughs> uh, and then put them out and we'll just keep going and so that's that's the that's the other side of that uh, that you could fall into uh, when you have a bunch of devs and publishers working on the same thing. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I see where you're coming from with that. I think that when you have a, a license like Batman that has movies that has at the time cartoons and TV shows, it's easier to split it up because you can make oh these are the cart these are the cartoon games these are the comic book games these are the movie games. Uh, but when you have something like I'm trying to think of another license like James Bond that only has. Uh, movies. I think that's when you want to just keep it with one company yes. and go for, and go from there. I think that's probably where we're where we're going to stand. Who's going to get the Barbie license, though, Mike? That's what I want to know. Big question. Big question. Big bidding war there. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's more popular than Batman. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I can't say anything. <laughs> I, it's so weird how we get so many of these Batman games, but some of these other franchises that technically are more profitable don't have video games. But we're not businessmen. We don't get to decide which games are made and aren't made. But Mike, let's read the back of the case for Batman Begins, and we will move on to our closing segments. Let's do it. All right. Fear is your weapon. Invoke fear. Stalk your enemies from the shadows. Unleash powerful moves based on the unique fighting style created for the movie. Defend justice. Take on Gotham's most wanted, including Scarecrow and Raj al Ghul. Feel the power of the Batmobile. Tear up the streets and rooftops with lightning-fast vehicular combat. I love that word. Play the... <laughs> I love vehicular. It's such a cool word. Play the movie. Embrace the darkness of Arkham Asylum and the alleys of Gotham, featuring the voices of Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Cillian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, and Morgan Freeman. But not Gary Oldman. <laughs> not Gary Oldman missing. He apparently said that he didn't do this game because of scheduling conflicts. He was working on something else. So I'd like to think it was because of Harry Potter. I'm assuming that's what it was. Honestly, but... almost certainly. Yeah. 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 Serious black. Yeah, because Gary Oldman was in, because um, he was in L.A. True Crime L.A. So like he actually was, you know, on the ground floor for a lot of these early video games. So clearly Gary likes video games, and that's why he went to actually see Pandemic Studios progress and leaked it, and <laughs> and then destroyed. Oh, that that game I don't think would have ever come out. I don't think EA would have ever let it come out. I'm sure Gary Oldman is on the ground there, seeing developers, talking to Miyamoto, seeing what's yeah. up in the next Mario game. I, I have no doubt he's got to be in his what 60s now, 70s. <laughs> 60s, yeah. We, we love Gary Oldman. He needs to be Sir. I need to start saying Sir Gary Oldman. Has he not been knighted yet? Not yet, somehow. 
Wow. We need to get that done. Yeah. We have we have a few more episodes to do that. <laughs> but Mike, while we're trying to get Gary Oldman knighted, what games do you suggest from the three games we talked about today the listeners pick up? I think Batman Rise of Sinsu uh, would be my pick for sure of these. Uh, Batman Vengeance, also not a bad game. I know we didn't directly talk about it in this, but it's still a, quite a good game. If you want to go back to our launch day episodes, uh, we, you can hear us <laughs> talk about that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's basically just a prequel to Sinsu in that right. sense. So, yeah, Rise of Sinsu would be my pick. Batman Begins isn't a bad game to get. It's cheap for sure. Mm-hmm. I just personally wouldn't buy it. I personally think I would. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I think of these three games, I would pick up Batman Begins. I, I love your thinking of Batman Vengeance and Rise of Sinsu. I think that would be a cool thing to pick up. Like if you go to the game store and you have both of those games, they're in good condition. They're around 50 bucks for the pair. I think absolutely. That would be a really yes. cool kind of, what, a duology? What would you call that? A yeah, duology, yeah, yeah. Duology, yeah, of games to pick up. You got a cool, you know, cartoon tie-in uh, couple of games there. And then you're, you're all set for the Batman games on the console. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think... A, as movie tie-ins go, Batman Begins is really good. Like, I'm looking at gameplay right now, and it just looks like a prequel to Arkham Asylum. I can't not see this as Rocksteady being like, okay, we're taking this, we're taking this, we're going to use this, we're going to br- spruce <laughs> this up. Like, it definitely has the trappings of becoming Arkham Asylum. I mean, the, you actually play in Arkham Asylum. Exactly. So <laughs> that was a huge part, too. And, and I love, like, the whole fear effect. Like, they, they yeah. talk about it on the back of the case. Like, I love the idea of kind of affecting the... Uh, like almost like you're impacting the enemy AI. The more scary you are, the more violent you are, the more passive you are. I love stuff like that. Like in video games, when enemies react differently, I love that. I, I think that's great. Me I don't too, like it yeah. when enemies react the same way to what you do to, if you're shooting at them or if you're stabbing them with a knife. Like I like it. I like the enemies to have some some reaction to what I'm doing. So Batman Begins is is my choice. So I th- I think as long as you avoid Dark Tomorrow, we're both in agreement with that. I agree. I agree. <laughs> But Mike, what do you think about the future of Batman on Nintendo consoles? It's been a while since we had a big Batman game on a Nintendo console at all. I believe we got Arkham Origins on the Wii U. We got Arkham Origins Blackgate Prison or something on 3DS. There was a 2D 3DS game in there. How would you like to see the Dark Knight return to a Nintendo console? All I want, Neil. It's very mm-hmm. simple. Okay. <laughs> I really just want to see them put Vengeance and Shinsu together. Really? Because that would be amazing if they could... Okay do those two games and do them justice in because they both have really good elements in them. And if you mm. somehow could find a way to just remake the game as one big game, because you could totally do that now. They're both like, you know, five, six hour games. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could put them together as one game it's and, and and even maybe put a third part in there to like finish off the yeah. make it a trilogy, that would be a dream come true for me. And maybe just call it like Batman the Animated Series video game or something. I don't know. But dude, that's a perfect idea. Like the the animated series has been I'm not gonna say dead, but it's been like kind of bubbling for such a long time now. Yes. Like we haven't seen anything from it. I think a Batman animated series trilogy would be so cool. Yeah. That's, like you could have the I first want. you could have the you're that's great. Like you could have the first game be like a Rajal Ghoul centered game, the next game would be Sinzu, and then maybe the next one is it, it introduces Joker in the third game as him being kind of like a mastermind behind it all, or maybe he's been working on something throughout the entire trilogy. It's like revealed that he was pulling the strings behind something or other. Like you could really tie it all together really nicely. And maybe you include Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy, maybe you dip into some new voice talent for a change, but I think that could be a really cool game on Switch because cell shading yes. holds up super well well in 2022 and the switch could run it which is the most important thing i think so right and and batman the animated series like you said it's bubbling it's not dead but it's always Mm -hmm. bubbling people always talk about that people always go back to it as one of the best 
animated TV shows of all time. Uh, yep. It's it's so well done. Comic books have come out uh, from it as well. And I think there's enough love for this world that we'll one day see these come back. I, I know, I, or I'd be curious to how the licensing works with it because mm-hmm. it is Ubisoft who made both of them. I'm not yeah. sure if they've retained anything from those games uh, in terms of sales or anything like that. So obviously that would be something to work out. But that that's my dream is to have those games come back together some way. I don't want them, I don't want them separate, put them together because they are Definitely. basically one game. And Gotham Knights... Um, I'm not sure if that's going to come to Switch or not. I would say definitely not. Okay. I think at be- I think I think at best you're going to see an Arkham collection come to Switch. The Arkham City and Arkham Asylum oh, collection, yeah, that which, which exists, I have it on PS4. I think you'll see that come to Switch. Yeah, I would like that. That would be that would be good. But yeah, Gotham Knights, which is the future of the franchise, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm you know skeptical, of course, but I sure. I have high hopes because you can play as Nightwing and Batgirl again. So in a way. <laughs> It's kind of like uh, these uh, the Ubisoft games. Exactly. I'm I'm excited for Gotham Knights. I don't think it's coming to Switch. I'll play it on PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5, whatever I may have at that point. Mm-hmm. I have seen almost nothing about it because I think that game is still a little ways off. It's yeah. supposed to come out this year, I believe. It might have gotten yeah. bumped to 2023, but... Warner Bros. are in a strange spot right now where they, they keep delaying their games. Like Hogwarts Legacy, I think, just got delayed again. They've got that Suicide Squad game coming out. So I'm not quite sure where their heads are at. But I trust them nonetheless. They put out some decent stuff. For me on Switch, I would love to see what they're doing with uh, TMNT and put a classic NES-style Batman game on the Switch. I think that would be oh, really cool. Yes, We were talking about this recently with Power Rangers, how yeah. I'd love to see an arcade-style Power Rangers game come back. I would love to see a Sunstoff-style Batman game come to Switch. I think that would be really cool. And have it in the style. Like, include some of these new villains that we've seen introduced in the last 30 years or so and put them on Switch. I think that would be so cool. Oh, dude, that would be amazing. That's Okay, that's my other dream <laughs> is to have that. Because, yeah, we're, we're missing some of these those 2D-style beat-em-ups uh, that were super popular back in the day and now are popular again for these indie developers. Yeah. So just like, it would be really cool if Warner could work with some of these guys and get the licensing uh, down and, and create something like a TMNT that is going to come out. So Yeah, yeah but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But Mike, while we're waiting for the next Batman game to come out on Switch, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 88 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. Next week, Neil, is Need for Speed. We're going to talk about the Need for Speed games that came to the GameCube. There were six of them, I think. Nice. Oh, boy. (laughs) Five or six. Uh, There's a lot of them. Uh, Carbon, Most Wanted, Underground. This was definitely a huge part of uh, my childhood, a huge part of a lot of people's childhoods, because we're going to have a ton of guests on who are going to share their stories about Need for Speed, because Need for Speed was everywhere yes. in the early 2000s. Like, it was the racing game. It completely took over everything. We talked about Burnout uh, on an episode, you know, our first racing episode. And Burnout basically got killed because of Need for Speed. <laughs> yeah, they they buried it, though. Like, they didn't necessarily beat it because they're better than Burnout. They just kept putting out Need for Speed games and made it impossible <laughs> yep. for Burnout to have any oxygen. Like, you know when you went to a blockbuster and you would see the wall of, like, whatever new movie just came out? That's how it felt looking at the Xbox and PS2 wall at a blockbuster <laughs> for game rentals. Just Need for Speed, Need for Speed, Need for Speed, so Need for many. Speed. Dude, so many. I'm, I'm glad. I didn't know that you played those games back in the day. I played uh, Most Wanted and mm-hmm. Underground... Two. You played. You played Need for Speed Thug. 
<laughs> and oh, I also played Carbon. I played Carbon too Carbon, for the Wii. Nice. I played Carbon for the Ooh, Wii. Classic, classic Wii Need for Speed games. I remember playing Most Wanted on PSP, uh, but we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, until then, thank you so much for listening to episode eighty-seven of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a five-star rating or a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show on Patreon. We are the GameCube was cool. Thank you so much to everybody who supports us over there. Get the show ad-free, and you can get your name right in the credits. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the GameCube Pod, and we're now on Discord. The GameCube was cool. You can chat with us and other listeners there. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Sinzu, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you next week. Where are the drugs going? Where are they? Swear to me. 600 games you've never heard of. Thank you. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Do you think that Robert Pattinson is going to be doing that in the new... I don't think... I've seen the trailer. I don't think he talks quite like that. I just want him to do it like the college humor bit. <laughs> <laughs> the Pete Holmes bit? That was so oh, good. Oh, no. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, Pete Holmes, the Goodwill hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Retainer. Retainer. <laughs> it's like smoking in the car and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Those are so good. <laughs> <laughs>